0: kiss my sass is the podcast for the modern msp together with industry experts peers and all-star guests we're here to tackle the realities of building a future-proof msp cloud business with no filter each episode is packed with real life stories insights and advice to ensure you can do more so what are you waiting for let's get into it Hi, my name is Craig Weir. I'm the Executive Director of Ingram Micro's Global Cloud Portfolio. I manage our strategic vendors, solutions, and the global voice of our MSPs. I'm based in Toronto, Canada. I've been with Ingram Micro for about 16 years and in the IT channel for 20. This week, we'll be exploring some fundamental questions that MSPs have. How to build, how to scale, and eventually, how to sell. To answer that, we've got a very special guest this week. A friend of mine. One has been there, done that, got the t-shirt, the hat, the mug, He's done it all and maybe even the complimentary pocket watch. He's currently our own director of cloud and US sales, a friend of mine, in a different life though, he built and sold his own MSP practice called Eternity. But you know what? Let me stop there. Greg, why don't you jump in, summarize your history in the MSP space, your journey to this point, and maybe a little fun fact about yourself that you can share with the audience. Sure. Thanks very much, Craig. Excited to, uh, to speak with you today.
1: Um, yeah, I've been with Ingram Micro for uh, about six and a half years now. Um, I am uh, one of the cloud directors in the U.S. business. Uh, previous to that, I, had, uh, um, I, I ran the Canadian cloud organization for Ingram Micro. I did that for five years, so that was an exciting journey and, and a great experience building up that, uh, that organization. Um, I've worked in my career for large tech companies like Telus, like EMC, like Ricoh, but really, I think the experience that you're dying to hear about today is uh, my experience as founder and owner and president of Eternity, an MSP business in the, the Toronto, Ontario, Canada market. Uh, managed that business for a 10-year period before I successfully exited, sold to a large U.S. Uh, cloud provider, and moved on with the rest of my career. So hopefully I can share some wisdom and some, uh, some experience to, uh, to the listeners here today and help them with their journey. Yeah, as far as a fun fact goes, um, I'm a musician. Probably the thing that that, uh, that makes uh, the most people surprised is a uh, lead singer in a rock band. I perform live in bars uh, all over the place. Recently uh, relocated to Miami, Florida, so uh, hoping to resurrect my music career down here. But don't worry, the tech thing is
0: still my primary focus. Fantastic, Greg. Let's begin with some questions I like to ask each of my guests to get to know you a little bit better. So the first one what was the first technology you ever sold or became comfortable with? Well when I when I graduated uh,
1: from university, um, my first tech job was uh, working for uh, Rico It was actually Lanier at the time got acquired by Rico but it was in the office automation space so selling photocopiers and fax machines and printers and you know that was my entry into the, the tech world. Um, Had a good good run with that company, a good career
0: there, and really set the foundation for my future uh, tech career. Fantastic! Some similarities. I started at Xerox, so I I feel your pain in the early years. Hey, looking back, um, maybe in those years or years previous, um, what kind of advice would you give a younger self? Well, um, you know, I, I think I was fortunate
1: to land in the in the tech industry. Uh, it's certainly been rewarding for me. so uh, so you know, making a making a good career decision in the industry that uh, that you uh, you choose to participate in, I think is wise. Um, and and stick, you know, starting out, it's important to get on with a great company that can teach you the basics, teach you the fundamentals that you'll uh, you'll use for the rest of your career. I was fortunate to land with a company that uh, that really gave me all the training. Gave me a, an opportunity to, to really get experience and, you know, lots of great leadership there to, to set me up for my future. So choosing a good company that's going to give you a great foundation, I think, is essential.
0: Fantastic. And then the final one, um, looking forward in your space here, what's the one technology or maybe the one investment area MSP should be looking at as they move forward if they already haven't? Well,
1: certainly, um, you know, we're, we're biased in the division that we work for, the cloud division, right? So anything uh, as a service, I think, is 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 absolutely fundamental these days. So, you know, just a, as a word of advice, any IT channel partners out there who haven't really established um, and, and prioritized building in a recurring revenue as a service business, that's absolutely
0: critical. And I would explore every opportunity to, to maximize that. Fantastic. Love the quick hits, now let's jump into, get under the hood of building, scaling, and even selling an MSP. Greg, we're here talking about the lifespan of an MSP. It's a topic that could run into multiple episodes of Kiss My Sass, but we only have 20 minutes, so let's cover what we can. And as we said at the top of the hour, you've been through this yourself, so it'd be great to hear your own war stories, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. So let's start at the beginning, the building stage. For smaller MSPs or new entrepreneurs, what do you believe are the key areas they should focus on to get a solid foundation to build a successful business?
1: Thanks, Craig. Yeah, you know, the first thing I would recommend is, um, you know, my previous point was about focusing on an as-a-service business or recurring revenue business. So, so, you know, that goes without saying, but I would recommend that, um, you know, MSPs focus on a and a segment of technology or maybe it's a vertical that they can be exceptional at, right? Trying to be everything to everybody, um, you know, t- you know it's, it's, it's a risky venture because you, you don't get very good at any one particular thing. So, um, so I would certainly recommend that the MSPs focus on, a, you know, a segment of technology, cybersecurity, for example. Uh, and or a vertical where they can be very, very good and uh, put the energy into building up a reputation and, and uh, you know be best in class in
0: that particular focus area. Uh, I think that's a, a great recipe for success. Now, that's fantastic. and let's think about the actual running of the business. When you look back in your early years of eternity, what would you have done differently to help you build and scale better? like what what's the advice you would give to some younger newer entrepreneurs? Well, you know, when I founded the company in in uh, two thousand and four,
1: I had just left Telus, which um, you know is a is a one of the largest telcos in Canada, and um, what did, you know it should have been obvious to me when I started the company. You know, the telcos are for decades have been built on a recurring revenue model, but when I started the company, I did not focus on a recurring revenue model. We were we were set up as a as a professional services and hardware right. and software provider and very project based so we you know we we prioritize professional services but so we were had the you know the profitability aspect kind of looked after but uh, what I should have done in the beginning is is put a larger focus on recurring revenue again this is back in 04 when cloud wasn't what it is today even the msp space was very immature but uh, but uh, but again, kind of shame on me for leaving the telco world and not kind of bringing that business model with me. It wasn't until a few years later where we latched onto that recurring revenue
0: model, which completely changed the trajectory of our business. I can imagine. I think in those early years, there was probably a lot of stress as you kind of work through this. So when you look earlier, what what kept you up at night? And from a personal standpoint, I know you have a couple chil- children or, or now adults. Um, but what were the obstacles that you were hit, and how did you overcome that adversity?
1: Yeah, well, um, certainly starting a business, uh, you know, um, you know, with with young children was was challenging at the time. But, uh, you know, my wife was very supportive. She ended up working for the company and, and doing an amazing job, uh, you know, handling the administration and finances for our business. But, um, you know, when we started the business again, it was it was project man uh, project uh, professional services and project based. So luckily, we're fairly successful pretty quickly. But what uh, what we experienced was the you know the roller coaster ride of the project based model, right? When you know when you're when you're closing a few deals, you've got big projects to to carry you through for a few months at a time. Uh, but it's peaks and valleys. It's a feast or famine business model, and that really what caused the the greatest uh, uh, stress for, for me as a business owner. Um, when you're you know busy and everybody's working hard and you're making money, you know everything's funny when you're making money, as they say. Uh, but in the lulls in between projects, it got very stressful, uh, came close a couple of times, not being able to, to make payroll for the staff, right? So any, any other uh, owners out there can probably experience, uh, you know, similar, uh, similar situations. Very, very stressful. Um, and so it wasn't until we came upon the uh, recurring revenue business model where those peaks and valleys started to straighten themselves out and, uh, and the stress
0: started to go away. But, uh, but really tough before that. Yeah, I can imagine. And I think we've done a good job of setting the scene, setting the table when it comes to the early days of running your own business. Um, but there becomes a pivot point for any business that really decides, do we want to stay in our current comfort zone, our current trajectory, or do we want to shoot for the stars? So let's talk about that stage in business of when you wanted to make that decision. So what was your pivot point? What was the catalyst, the trigger, or the reason behind you wanting to scale and grow beyond your current comfort limit?
1: Well, I couldn't have teed this up any better.
0: The, the the pivot
1: point for my business had everything to do with Ingram Micro, and so let me let me explain that we were an Ingram Micro uh, partner back when we started the company. So we used Ingram for you know technology distribution, kind of the the, the, the classic uh, use case. Um, I got invited to a, a a seminar, an Ingram hosted seminar. I think it was in 7 I'm gonna say. Hosted by Paul Dipple, who many people in the in the you know the audience will probably know, um, it was a full day workshop, and he ex, you know explained the virtues of a recurring revenue model and all the benefits okay. of you know having a a steady revenue stream and, and profit stream, and um, I can honestly say at the end of the day I was completely blown away. I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect. I, it sounded important, so I wanted to attend the seminar but i didn't anticipate that that one day would change um, well, my career and the trajectory of the business so uh, upon leaving that workshop you know i was i was all bought in hook line and sinker on this new business model rushed back to the office uh, went to inform the entire staff that we were completely changing our business model, you know, leaving the old model in the past and embracing this new recurring revenue model, and uh, very, very excited. And um, you know, it ended up working out in the end. But let me tell you, the transition from the old model to the new model was almost fatal, and um, yeah, it was not for the faint of heart. Um, luckily, we made it, but uh, I probably transitioned a little too hard, too fast.
0: Yeah, and that was not a preempted planned uh, shameless plug there, but let's talk about that. So you make that shift, you run back to the office, you're excited, you talk about this shift, this transformation. So how did you scale both in growth, but also not forgetting the the bottom line?
1: Yeah, so what we did was, um, so my my company was, uh, we were specialists in uh, business continuity and disaster recovery.
2: Before we continue, what's business continuity? Business continuity outlines how a business will maintain its operations during and following a disaster. For example, if there is a power outage or the business is forced to move location. Well, in that case, how is it different from disaster recovery? Disaster recovery is about responding to a catastrophic event such as a natural disaster, fire, or cybercrime, and it could include additional drills for safety. Business continuity is about minimizing downtime and staying as productive as possible. Disaster recovery is about getting back to being operational, even if in a limited capacity. Back to you, Craig.
1: So that was our niche, right? So we started uh, building you know, back then, you know, everyone had on-prem data centers. So we would, you know, design these, these high availability failover environments from one on-prem environment to a different on-prem environment. Again, very project, project project-based
2: failover. Does that mean the fail is finished or you've overfailed actually? A failover is a backup operational environment in which the functions of your IT infrastructure are taken over by a secondary system when the first is down. This could be a failure or scheduled downtime. Either way, to operate continuously, you need a place in reserve that can keep your IT up and running when you need it to. Interruption over. Back to you, Craig.
1: Uh, with the new business model, we we kind of didn't uh, you know about face. Instead of telling our customers now to you know invest in all of this on premise technology and all these services, to stop buying on premise technology and start buying stuff that was in the cloud. Right? It was it was kind of a strange. It was a, a, a you know a, a much different tune than we were singing. So we had to do it carefully Um, and we, so we came up with a portfolio of services, um, you know, all cloud based and all recurring revenue based. Uh, Some of it was around security, some of it was around cloud backup and recovery, some of it was around remote monitoring and remediation, some of it had a, a business continuity consulting aspect to it. But we came up with a portfolio of recurring revenue services that we would, you know, eventually introduce to our customer base And we slowly but surely started to build up that foundation. I said earlier that we shifted a little too hard, too fast, because what we did was we we shut the tap off on on those those cash injections, those big, you know, multi-hundred thousand dollar proposals that we were closing. And so uh, it was a little tough, but uh, eventually we convinced a lot of our current customers to come along for the ride, but we had to go out and find brand new customers that were really open to this outsourcing
0: model, and that wasn't easy. Yeah, and, and you're you're already a step ahead of me because my thought was okay. Obviously, you're going to hit some walls. You alluded to shifting too quickly, so cash flow was a big one. So when you, when you approach the cash flow issue, the change management, you know, these things take months, t- typically years, to kind of transform. So how did you remain flexible and agile throughout this entire process?
1: Yeah, we had to, um, you know, certainly uh, revisit our, our our staffing structure, uh, make sure we had the right people in the right place, um, you know, to to drive this new business model. Um, you know, I mentioned we had to we had to change who the types of customers that we were calling upon because again, back back then, um, outsourcing was still kind of this you know a, a new idea, and certainly the, um, the the customers that we were focused on a lot of SMB. We had we had some kind of mid mid level to enterprise uh, customers as well, but um, you know, it was all about this this concept of outsourcing. You know your um, your your IT management, your business continuity, your disaster recovery to a third-party provider for a monthly fee, unique concept. So um, I already alluded to not a lot of customers um, were open to that just yet. I'm sure they, they are now because it's you know a, a decade later sort of thing. But we had to pick and choose the right customers who are open to um, relinquishing control. And um, it, it took some time, but, uh, but we
0: made it through. No, that's great. And and you talk a lot about customers, you talk about really connecting with people, and in some cases, trying to find new customers, but also going through that change management of your current customers. So let's take a minute to talk about your people. What was in today is your philosophy or your approach to hiring the right people? Like what are the traits or the skills that you see in those successful people that either work with you or work for you? The people I, I try
1: and hire, um, you know, it's it's important to me that they're they're highly motivated, right? They I, I'm looking for people who with you know have the right experience for sure, but people who have done that, um, been successful, and really on their own terms. Because kind of my my management style is hiring the right people, giving them the right framework and structure, but but letting them really run run their aspect of the business. And so uh, it's important to me to, to bring somebody on board who has probably done it already. Not just, you know, talks about doing it or has plans to do it, but it can can actually prove that they've done something very, very similar in the past. That gives me a lot of confidence that coming on board for me, they'll they'll be able to, you know, replicate the success that they had in the past. It's worked out very well for me. I'm very proud of a lot of the the people that I've hired over the years. Many of them have gone on to have great and you know amazing careers for themselves and and that's uh, that's a pretty rewarding thing for me
0: so greg at this point you're running fast you're successful business is doing fantastic but you've gone through some growth obstacles but now let's talk about the end game let's talk about selling the business I know we've chatted in depth before and at our cloud summit in miami you gave a session on this and we'll leave a link to that in the description but let's cover the essentials here maybe three quick questions when did you know it was time to sell yeah so you know what um
1: the plan all along was to sell the business this wasn't a business that you know i was gonna i was gonna retire with i didn't think this wasn't a business that was planning to, to pass down to my kids or anything like that. The plan all along was to sell the company at some point in the future. And so I had built the company with that business model in mind. And that's that's you know a, a tidbit of advice I can give to the audience is if you're running a business, build it now so it's ready to be sold, right? Don't don't think that you're going to cross that bridge somewhere down the road. Build it with the the uh, expectation that you're going to sell it. Forces you to, to build it properly and do a lot of the right things early on, so that you, you carry that success all the way through. Um, the question is around you know when do you know it's the right time to sell? Well, for us, um, you know, I'd had the, the been in the business for about nine years at that time. Um, you know, we we had built up a, a nice stream of recurring revenue. Um, it was a profitable business. We started to get a lot of interest from from outside parties, and um, I felt it was the right time to sell. Um, for, for well, first of all, because the business was in a healthy state and we were commanding some good offers, but also um, personally, I felt like it was ready to move on to to do something different. You know, I was I was a ma- majority owner, but we had a couple of other owners um, in the company, and so. Um, there were some tensions that were starting to rise at that time as well for, so, the, you know, when, when, when the particular offer came along that we settled on timing, couldn't have been better. It was the right thing at the right time. And, um, still to this day, I don't regret it. It was still the absolute right thing to do. And, uh, it's allowed me to, to, to leave and, uh, you know, pursue a, an amazing career with Ingram Micro. So, um, I think you just kind of know, you, you feel it have it ready to be sold so that when the right thing comes along, you're ready to take
0: action. But uh, but it, it was the right time for me. No, that's fantastic. And I really want to call out the point you made. Or you originally created this company, The Intention of Selling. And I think we've all dealt with a ton of MSPs who maybe don't approach it that way and approach it being this is a lifestyle or maybe a long-term endeavor who maybe want to pass down to the children. And they get to a point where they realize maybe that's changed. So that, that's a really good point I want to make sure I underline so as you look back you know in your years of wisdom greg um if you had to pick one or two key things from selling your msp eternity and just doing business in in that space what would you have done differently in retrospect what's maybe one or two things you'd want to share with the audience
1: well again starting the company we did not start in a recurring revenue model um that's something i would have prioritized instead these days, again, many years later, uh, that recurring revenue business, that MSP model is prevalent throughout our industry, so it's maybe a little bit more obvious to people to, to focus on that. But then again, maybe it's not, right? Um, we can't stress enough how, how stable and, and uh, growth-oriented that, that uh, recurring revenue model is, so I definitely would, would prioritize that. And um, you know just make sure that you, you've got, when you're, when you're starting a business or when you're early on in your business, have your financial model all figured out. Have your forecasting. Have some really great, um, you know, plans in place. I mean, everyone talks about you know having a business plan, but uh, ensuring that your 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 financial model is sound um, is is incredibly important because um, it's not going to work out. A, a plan is just that. It's a it's a you know a, a, an estimate of what might happen in the future but you're going to hit some rough spots along the way. And you've got to make sure that you can withstand any financial turmoil along the way, make sure you're prepared. Um, and so that's, that's what will make things a little bit easier for you.
0: As we wrap things up today, you know, I'm really excited for this session specifically is we always finish our episodes with some music. Some selections that we add to our Spotify playlist, and you mentioned earlier, you're a musician, so I was kind of curious to see what your answers are today. So for this episode, let's mix it up a little bit because of that. Um, We look for two songs, and for the first song, maybe a song that resonates with you, a time of change, a time of thrill, excitement, or something maybe that you associate with those earlier years. And maybe for the second song, the kind of the guilty pleasure, the one you love singing in the shower or the car, but maybe you wouldn't blast out and have everyone know that you're listening to it. So what were the two you'd pick? And I, and I preface this with, I've been with you a couple of many late nights where I've seen you jump on stage and take over the mic. That wasn't even your band, right? You, you convinced them. So I'm kind of curious to see what you pick here. You
1: know what? Um, I grew up in the 80s. I was a big, you know, 80s rock guy. I told you I was in rock bands, uh, lead singer, went through the hair metal phase. And so um, I was a big Bon Jovi fan back in the day. So the, the first song I'm going to say is Living on a Prayer, right? Just a nod to all the Bon Jovi fans out there. All about kind of hanging on to your dreams and you know fighting through and uh, and staying true. So that's uh, that's the first song that I would uh, I would recommend, and it's a bit of an anthem. I'm sure you know puts a smile on a lot of people's faces. As far as a guilty pleasure song, um, again I'm gonna throw back to the '80s again. Whenever Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield comes on the radio, I mean I just can't I can't help myself but start singing to that song. That's one song that's uh, that stood the test of time um i love it one of the greatest songs
0: ever and uh, i can't help but sing it along so that would be my guilty pleasure oh that's great and i'm pretty sure i've, I've heard you sing bon jovi live on a prayer on the stage a couple of times so i can attest to that hey so listen these are fantastic choices we'll add them to our playlist on, on spotify so you can check them out for more information i want to thank you greg my guest today for some words of wisdom some fantastic time to spend with a friend to talk about this important topic i want to thank our listeners um, if any feedback, any questions or any insights they want to share with us, they can always reach out directly, leave a comment and also too, to make sure that you join us next time for Kiss My Sass, the podcast for the modern MSP. I want to make sure you subscribe to get the notifications for your next episode. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Kiss My Sass, the podcast for the modern MSP. From the smartest solvers to the most inspiring innovators, we're here to help MSPs rise with more innovation, more opportunity, and more success. So stay awesome, and we'll catch you next time. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, representing the views of the host and our guests, not the broader view of Ingram Micro Cloud. Information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. Thank you.